The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. are caring for a person with autism, great information from a trusted source can be a lifeline. Welcome to Autism Spectrum Radio. We are here to have the conversations that will help you create success for the extraordinary individual with autism in your life. Now, here is your host, Rob Haupt. Hey, welcome to Autism Spectrum Radio, everybody. I'm your host, Rob Haupt. I am the Vice President of Business Development at Autism Spectrum Therapies an agency that provides uh, therapeutic services to individuals uh, with developmental disabilities. Um, wow. I, I know I've said before that I wasn't going to do another road show, but I, I clearly didn't uh, live by integrity on that one because I'm coming to you live today from, uh, from New Orleans. And so if you hear a thunderstorm in the background, it's all right. I'm fine. Uh, just having a, a storm here in New Orleans. Um, but it is a, a pretty, actually kind of a cool uh, to talk to you today and, and uh, be in, in a whole different community, uh, one that has just been so kind to me and has really embraced me as, um, and including me as a member of it, um, but also get to kind of experience some of the differences from my, from my day-to-day in, in Los Angeles. Um, so having a, having a really good week so far. Far, you know, as in New Orleans, which is which is really fun, and um, getting to catch up with some colleagues of mine who I don't get to see face to face as much. I have to rely more and more on technology, like things like we're doing right now, um, in terms of internet and and Skype and uh, cell phones. But uh, really, just excited to to sit down with a group of people who, you know, when we started our, our our services here in New Orleans two years ago, it was very much, um, you know, an experiment to a lot of people. It was why New Orleans or it was um, how do you know New Orleans? How does a group from Los Angeles decide to go there? And, and I'm just very fortunate. I've gotten to know a lot of people over the years who either were raised in New Orleans, lived in New Orleans, studied in New Orleans, worked in New Orleans, and it just became this um, amazing opportunity to come here and do a lot of good and to to spend this morning with my team and see everything they're doing and all the services we've been providing and what the fall is looking like. It was just, it was so inspirational to hear their stories, their successes, um, things that parents are doing. It was, it was amazing. Um, so I'm feeling really, really inspired and really motivated. Um, the, the other thing I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about before I introduce my guest is um, actually a, a little story about of how how we kind of got introduced. Um, today, I'm I'm going to be joined by uh, a really interesting guest with uh, a really incredible perspective as someone who is 
bringing awareness and understanding um, as it relates to autism, but also is on the autism spectrum himself. And uh, he's someone who I wasn't really aware of. And of all people, it was my wife who kind of started this connection. Um, for any of uh, the, the women out there, uh, you may know this website, but there's a website called uh, Jezebel. And it's, uh, it's not one I go to on a regular basis, but it's a, a women's blog. And my wife is someone who really um, is very much on the go. She sees clients in the field. She works with kids and um, is often working with kids in their homes, working with kids in a lot of different settings and, and goes from site to site and spends a lot of time reading a lot of online articles um, and this is one of her favorite sites. And she happened to be reading an article. Um, it was something that uh, was really intriguing to her. And it related to um, individuals with developmental disabilities. And my wife is a very inquisitive person. She's, she's a really smart lady. I'm, I'm always amazed by just how smart and articulate she is and thoughtful. And she always reads the comments. And it's something that I feel like I'm always... And I read the article, I move on, but she reads the comments. And as she was reading these comments, she came across this incredible, detailed, thoughtful comment that our guest, Paul, um, posted in response to this article. And he made a number of different points, um, really speaking from his own perspective, but also from the perspective of, of those around him that he's come to know and appreciate and work with. And my wife just found it absolutely incredible. And at the end of this comment, Paul just told a little bit about himself. And my wife emailed me and said, get him on your show. Put him on the show. This is the type of guest you should have. So I'm just really excited to be able to do a show that my wife actually helped inspire. So with that story, with all of this, I want to introduce my guest. Uh, today I am joined uh, by Paul Loudon. Uh, Paul was born in 1983. Um, he was diagnosed with Asperger's which may now be considered a subset of autism spectrum disorder um, when he was at the age of 23. He's been speaking about his views and life experiences as co-host of the Understanding Autism radio show and at autism conferences since late 2010. His young life was spent visiting and living in many different countries, and this has given him the opportunity to see a variety of cultures and helps him think about and speak about his condition from a unique perspective. Paul currently resides in Houston, Texas. Uh, Paul, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Oh, I'm really excited to have you on. Like I said, my wife, you know, she, she comments and just felt like we were two people who like had to speak, that you just had such a, a way of articulating your experiences that um, after 12 years of being with me and, and seeing what I do every day, she just, she was really touched and inspired by it. Um, I was kind of curious how you, you know, how your journey began, how you got into um, speaking out and, and hosting uh, the radio show and, and becoming involved in the community. Well, it was all sort of a series of fortunate occurrences. Uh, the person I was working with, uh, therapeutically speaking, her name is Kim Isaac. And she and I had been working with each other for a few years by the time I got involved in the radio show. And her father had started a radio content network called Breakthrough Thinking. 
And so he'd asked her to come on and do an autism show uh, on the radio with him. And then she took me on the show as a guest once. And then after we started talking on the show, her dad was like, wow, we need to have him back. And she was like, yeah, I, brought, I, I started the show because I really thought he had the chance to talk out. So without me knowing about it, there was a group of people sort of <laughs> conspiring to get me into this role. And it's worked out really well since. That's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, the, the show has a really great perspective and a really nice take with, with a good balance because, it's, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's more than just you hosting each week. You have uh, a, uh, some colleagues who are talking through issues with you. Well, what we have is we have myself, who's the person on the spectrum. We have Kim, who has, I think she's got 17 years of experience uh, helping those with autism now. Uh, she's been trained in a variety of different ways. And then we have uh, Dave, who is the one who runs the content network, but he also provides us questions and perspectives from someone who really doesn't know that much about autism. So between the three of us and our guests or whatever we have for each month, uh, we sort of get a wide range and our, our focus, our goal really, is that, you know, there's a lot of autism awareness content and programming out there already. But awareness is something that is growing and is raising. But with awareness, we really need to push this idea of understanding that autism isn't just something to know about, but it's something that you need to have enough of a grasp with that you know what to do when you encounter it. And there's not a lot of solid information for normal people out there to help them deal with, well, what do I do if, you know, one of the students in my classroom is diagnosed as autistic and he stays in my classroom? How do I interact with him well? Or what do I do when I find out my grandson is autistic? So we're trying to provide sort of a, a grounded, easier to understand, more relatable idea of what autism is than what a lot of people get in the various more technical media or popular culture. Yeah, I really I, – that was actually one of the first things that, that really intrigued me about what you guys are doing. It's this idea of – I like that term understanding. Like awareness feels like you're kind of scratching the surface. But this idea of understanding, like now I'm like – I'm equipped to help. I'm equipped to do something. I thought that was a really cool um, uh, difference that you guys were creating. Well, it's just – so important to me as you know someone on the spectrum i've looked at the challenges i had and once i got my diagnosis it really gave me an opportunity to start bridging the gap and i'm lucky yeah. because i'm higher functioning and uh by most of the scales we measure intelligence on i score very highly that mm -hmm. i have a lot of tools that help me bridge the gap from my side but a lot of people on the autism spectrum don't have the tools they may not know enough about autism or not be able to understand enough about autism or themselves that autism really sort of makes it difficult to examine your own behaviors and understand the origins of your own behaviors. And the mm -hmm. compromise you need to get along with people requires some understanding of what's going on that a lot of times being on the spectrum makes difficult. So it's really helpful when you're trying to reach compromise that both sides know what they're reaching for. But in the case that one side has a disorder that makes it hard, the other side really needs to pick up some slack there. So mm -hmm. being able to create this environment of both sides trying for it, or at least both sides knowing as much as they can about it, really makes it easier for something like autism, where it is a developmental disorder. The longer you have autism, the more differently you've developed. It's just something you know that affects the way your brain takes in all information around you. So everything you learn is colored by autism. I try to tell someone, imagine you know, you're born, and the instant you're born, someone puts green-tinted glasses on you. Most mm -hmm. of the time throughout your life, 
you can do things that seem normal or you seem to understand things. But because of those green-tinted glasses, certain conversations and certain interactions you have are drastically different than what the people around you expect. And because they don't know about those glasses and they can't really imagine what you're seeing compared to what they're seeing, and they don't really you know, know what to do about it, it can be very difficult for them to communicate with you and you to communicate with them because it's impossible to describe a color to a person that they've never seen before. I can relate to that being colorblind, so I know a little bit of that well, analogy, you know, you if that have, resonates with you. You have some relation there. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? Let's take a quick commercial break. I, I want to make sure um, – I want to talk yeah. a little bit more about some of your experiences, but I want to give you plenty of time. So we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio. At AST, we see a world where people with autism dream and achieve their full potential. Our promise is to support families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. Call us today and let us know how we can best support your family at 866-278-1520. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Autism Spectrum Therapies, supporting extraordinary individuals and their families. Visit autismtherapies.com or call 866-278-1520. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio. If you have a question or comment for our host, Rob, or the guest, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm your host, Rob Howe, and I'm joined today by Paul Allen. Um, Paul, you know, one of the things I think is really interesting about just your story is that, you know, we, we talk in the show a lot about early diagnosis and early detection, and you're someone who got diagnosed later in life. And I was kind of curious, like, what prompted you to get a diagnosis or what led to you getting the diagnosis? Well, 
when I was young, uh, my dad worked in oil, so we moved around an awful lot. So every year, maybe two years, I was in a different place, often a different country. And so I never really fit in quickly. And I always had a lot of difficulty making new friends and uh, adapting to a new culture and things. And at the time, everyone was like, well, you're moving around a lot. This is pretty normal. So a lot of the warning signs for autism, for high-functioning autism, were kind of there, my inability to interact well with others and sort of understand them and things. But because of the unique nature of our life, it really didn't stand out as a problem as much as it might have had we just been staying in one place. But after I reached high school and graduated from high school, I tried to go off on my own and go to college. Twice I failed at this completely, that, uh, that when I was out there, my life basically just sort of fell apart. I wasn't able to self-regulate or manage my own affairs well enough to have a successful life out on my own. So uh, during that time uh, in high school, I'd been uh, diagnosed with depression and ADD, and once I reached college and failed, we realized there's something really wrong here, but we never really figured out what it was. Now, during this time, I, uh, I'm an avid reader, of a, well, I used to be an avid reader of a website called Slashdot, and it's sort of a techie, geeky website, uh, and they had an article on Asperger's there, and as soon as I read the article, I said, this is me. It, just, it was one of those things where, in reading it, it is absolutely clear that it is talking about me. And my first thought was, okay, this sounds so much like me. I'm going to self-diagnose that I'm going to go and read more about this condition and find instances in my life where I meet, you know, those, those descriptions. So I stopped and I forwarded the article onto my parents and I said, Hey, I found this. What do you guys think? They took the article. They said, wow, that's you. They did the research and we found a neuropsychologist in Austin who was willing to do the test and diagnosis. So at 23 years old, I was diagnosed with Asperger's. And uh, really, for me, that was probably one of the most hopeful moments in my life. I know a lot of people, a diagnosis of autism is kind of this big doom and gloom event. But for me, it was incredibly hopeful because you can't start working on something until you know your starting point. Because until you know where you are, until you have some tool to figure out where you are in a forest, you can't figure out which direction to walk to get back to the road. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what I was actually most curious about next is, was it a hopeful thing? Did it, did it spark um, new opportunities for you because you understood your, your situation or what kind of help you needed better? For me, it was fantastically helpful because all along, I felt like I didn't really get people. But at the same time, I kind of felt like that was almost normal, that, that the things that I was lacking were things that other people had been able to solve, like that I was just having the same challenges other people had, but that they'd all overcome it and I hadn't. So I felt, I felt like I was sort of less, like I was just a failure because it was something everyone else could do so easily and I was not succeeding at it. And whenever I talked with anyone about it, they seemed confused by what I was having challenges with. So to me, that was a big cause of my depression was this, this disconnect without any reason, where I felt like I was just sort of less because of the challenges I was having. And once I had the autism diagnosis, that gave me just sort of a perspective of, well, here's something, and this is the real problem. And if I start working on it from this, maybe the other things will sort of clear up or improve in different ways. But it gave me the opportunity to really start working on something that I had no idea how to work on before. And that helped a lot with the depression, too, because once I knew you know, that 
there's a reason for this, that there's something there, mm. and maybe we don't have a cure for it, and maybe, you know, there's different therapies with different levels of effectiveness, but we have a starting point now. We have enough understanding that I can go and see, you know, current research. I can see what we're learning as we move forward. So it gave me the ability to work on something that previously I couldn't even work on. It was just there and inescapable. You know, I was curious, you know, now, now you're working on things. And like you said, now you have this focus. Um, one of the questions I get a lot of times from, from parents is, you know, what kind of services are out there for my child who is now growing up, maybe as a, a young adult in their early 20s, maybe they're, they're, they have Asperger's or maybe they're high-functioning autism. You know, are, what kind of were there – I know you mentioned Kim being someone you worked with. Like what kind of like therapeutic approaches did you look towards and what, what like worked or has been working for you? Well, what approach that we picked was one called relationship development intervention. And that one mm -hmm. is a uh, – it's a developmental approach. It's really focused on the interactions the parents or the close friends or the close family have with the person on the spectrum to try to, since autism is a developmental disorder, it changes how the natural development progresses in terms of what you learn and pick up from those around you and how those influence your ability to have emotional connections with people and have uh, you know, the empathetic reactions that, that are considered normal and uh, to sort of self-regulate based on motivation and episodic memory. So RDI is focused around the idea of reinforcing these bonds by, uh, by creating uh, an environment that it's sort of slowly drawing out the person. I, I can't explain it well because I, I'm not an expert in the therapy, but uh, yeah, sure. you know what it is is really just sort of trying to strengthen and reaffirm the processes that failed. Uh, it's... It's looking at, uh, at strengthening the weakened areas in mm -hmm. the development. Uh, and there's a lot of different therapies out there. I mean, there's, there's uh, ABA and OT and all the others that, that have different strengths and different weaknesses. And a lot of those are focused on, say, finding the strength. People on autism are often very literal. They can learn very technical things or, or uh, specific procedures. And so, you know, behavioral approaches often, uh, often sort of help use the strengths of someone on the spectrum to reinforce and work around the weaknesses, and RDI is sort of based on the developmental model instead. So, you know, uh, I know parents always want, like, which therapy should I pick? Which therapy is best for my child? And I really am mm. not comfortable with that question just because I know that uh, people I've met, different things have worked for them, and every single person on the autism spectrum is so different that, you know, if you have mm -hmm. someone who's nonverbal and who can't make eye contact and so on... Right then, you know, maybe something behavioral is a really good idea just to sort of get a basic framework in shape. And then if you have someone, but I think for someone who's higher functioning, where a lot of these processes, behavioral therapy, a lot of times someone who's higher functioning, you know, a lot of these basic life skills, they know what to do. And it's sort of those subconscious parts that are having a hard time developing. And teaching someone what to do and creating a, the framework doesn't always help develop the internal stuff if you're too aware of what's going on. So I think that, you know, a lot of it depends on, you know, where you are and what challenges you're specifically having. And I, I would say to parents, you know, as long as it's, you know, respectable service, as long as it's not just some shady random website on the Internet, talk with the people, find, find a, a practitioner in your area and talk with them and find a person you're comfortable with. Because I think, you know, the best thing to help is someone that you feel like you can trust to the point where, you know, 
you know, that you think that that bond of people is going to happen and communication is going to go well. Yeah, I, I like, you know, some of, I, I agree with you. I think the, the therapy needs to be very individualized. And, you know, RDI is not something that I've personally um, been too involved with or, or something that, you know, I personally recommend being that I'm more of an ABA person. Yeah. But I know I've always really liked that cognitive behavioral approach, mm-hmm. which overlaps with a lot of what you said you liked about RDI of let's look at what's going on a little bit more in like the thought process in terms of how um, let's look a little bit more at like what thoughts are going on as, as it relates to maybe um, how these two people are interacting. And so there's a lot of really good overlap there. Um, well, yeah, and that, I, I like that. I think that's one of the problems RDI has is they're not good at explaining what they are to people and the science behind it. I know Kim, sure. who, uh, you know, as I said, I work with, she's got a background in ABA and she does RDI now, but, and, and she's really trying to look to, you know, individualize and look at, at what helps an individual best. So while she's an RDI therapist, she's really, you know, and she, she focuses on helping uh, adults on the autism spectrum or people, you know, 18 and up. Yeah. or 15 and up, because there really is, like you said, that lack of services for those of us who, especially if we seem at least moderately capable of living an everyday life, but even if we don't, that there's really nowhere to go once you're out of the school system, because most of our services right now are so tied into the school system that there's nothing once you graduate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know in some states you can look into some of the insurance options that are available, but even... But a lot of states also have age limits or, or caps to how old someone can be to qualify for some of these autism services. So it, it creates a lot more uh, limitations and, and, I guess, reliance on the school district, as you're saying. Yeah, and, uh, and even then, uh, with the insurance options, because our understanding of autism is relatively limited right now, and because mm-hmm. there's sort of uh, an approach from insurance that's often the best therapy, the one that has the highest percentage of working, that because autism is a spectrum, and honestly, yeah. autism probably has a lot of different causes. You know, sometimes autism yeah. is going to be genetic, sometimes autism is going to be nutritional, sometimes, because it's a brain dysfunction, and a lot of things can cause brain dysfunction. I mean, if you think about a broken leg, there are a million ways you can get a broken leg, but at least with a broken leg, you only have to treat it one way because the cause is gone with, and now you just have to deal with the healing. But with autism, sometimes the cause is still there. Sometimes it's a genetic disorder. Sometimes your mitochondria are not producing enough energy. We don't always know what is the trigger. Sometimes it's the intestinal phoric. There's been a lot of evidence that, you know, treating some of these things, while they don't cure the autism, they've shown an improvement because we've taken away one of the advocations that make someone unable to deal with their own symptoms well. And with so many different causes of autism, it's likely that there's going to be different therapies that have different effectivenesses on different people. But we're not at that point yet. So a lot of times when you go to your insurance, they're like, we only cover this therapy or we only cover these two therapies. And they may not be as effective yeah. for your child as you were hoping they would be. So it's really hard to find the, the treatment that you're comfortable with uh, at this point in time. Yeah, I think it really comes back to this idea. I mean, I think both of us have used the word. It seems like we as a community, whether it be you know, people like yourselves who have received therapy, who are speaking to parents or, or to professionals, um, whether it be professionals like myself, it's like, it feels like we're all coming together and agreeing that it's all about individualization. No matter which therapy you pick, you know, it's pick the right therapy that's right for you and your family. But once you pick the right therapy, make sure it's individualized to your child and your, 
and your family, you know, not just some blanket cookie cutter version of that approach. Yeah. And I think that that's, I mean, that's one of the questions is, is why are you going into therapy? Are you going into therapy because, you know, you want your child to be able to, you know, handle, uh, you know, everyday tasks because they can't even do that yet. Obviously right. that's, you know, a good one to, to the start point, but in the end, uh, the final goal of almost every therapy should be the quality of life of that person, that they figure out some way to live comfortably in this world that is, at this moment, extremely and manifestly uncomfortable to them. And that's a lot of yeah. what people aren't talking about right now, is quality of life is a goal, that it doesn't necessarily mean having you know, the ability to get a career. Maybe some people are comfortable working in what the rest of us would consider a very boring job, but they consider it comfortable because it's predictable. And for someone on, with autism, predictability is extremely valued. And maybe yeah. they don't want a career. They just want the ability to get by without a dependence on others and sort of a predictable job. So figuring out as, as you progress how you can meet the needs for their quality of life is one of the things that makes it so personal because you have to start understanding the person that you're treating and what they want to do as they move forward. Yeah, well said. Well, let's take another commercial break, and then when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more with Paul. Be right back, everyone. Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health & Wellness. Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio. At AST, we see a world where people with autism dream and achieve their full potential. Our promise is to support families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. Call us today and let us know how we can best support your family at 866-278-1520. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Autism Spectrum Therapies, supporting extraordinary individuals and their families. Visit AutismTherapies.com or call 866-278-1520. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio. If you have a question or comment for our host, Rob, or the guest, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Hey, welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio, everyone. Uh, definitely a, a funky day here uh, hosting this show in the, in the middle of a, a big storm. I definitely hear it all around me, but uh, I hope it's, uh, it, you guys don't pick up too much of it because it uh, it's a little loud here. It's a little, it's a little busy today, it's, but it's kind of cool. Uh, we're back for another segment with our guest, Paul Loudon. Um, Paul, you know, one of the things that I, I, I wanted to make sure we talked about is, you know, you, Again, we talk a lot about early intervention. We talk about early diagnosis. And as someone who is diagnosed later in life, 
Um, and also someone who is, who, you know, as you said, like you're, you're clearly a, a well-spoken guy. You're not someone who, um, speaking to you, you would, uh, a random person would assume is on the spectrum. Um, I'm curious what kind of reactions you get when you, when you share with people that you have Asperger's or I guess before I, before you go there, actually, um, is it something you always kind of like, how quickly do you disclose that? when you meet new people? Um, honestly, I try... My personal policy is that I want to be Paul, who has Asperger's, rather than that guy with Asperger's, Paul. Mm-hmm. So I usually want them to get to know me to a point where I feel like they know enough about me to have some ability to predict me. That Basically, they, they get a loose feel for me before I tell them that I have Asperger's. Because I want the first thing in their mind when they think about me to be my personality rather than what they've heard about Asperger's from TV shows or whatever. Because I think that that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's one of the big things right now, especially in the tech community, is Asperger's gets talked a lot about uh, how many people in the tech community have Asperger's and companies are doing things with it. But a lot of times there's also people who are socially awkward and they don't have a diagnosis, but they say, I probably have Asperger's. And unfortunately... That means that there's this idea going around that, that Asperger's and high-functioning autism in general aren't really that serious. That there's a lot of people getting by just fine with it. But the truth of the matter is that when you have a diagnosis, you have a diagnosis for a reason. You have a diagnosis because it has a significant and measurable impact on your life. And that often means that there are things that you can't do, and there are things that you have severe challenges with. I'm able to speak clearly. I'm able to talk well. But at the same time, I have extreme difficulty recovering from doing things. When my schedule changes unexpectedly or when I have, uh-huh. uh, you know, a lot of events in a day or whatever, I need almost as much time to recover from things as I need to do it. I've learned a technique for not being anxious and stressed in the moment, but all that does is push it off to a little later. So what people don't uh-huh. see is the time I spend recovering, which is often as much or more as I spent doing things, just to get back to a state where I can interact with people normally. And if I don't have that time, I start becoming more and more withdrawn while people are around me and people start asking me, what's wrong, Paul, will you talk to us? And for me, that honestly just makes things worse. So one of those things is I do try to hide it a little bit for a while, Mm -hmm. but then when I try to talk with them about it, I try to explain to them that, you know, you've seen it doesn't really become a real problem, but it does mean I have these needs to get away for a while. And if I tell you, look, I really can't do this today, it's because I'm having one of these bad days. To me, it's also sort of affected my ability to self-manage. I have a really hard time, you know, maintaining and updating my own schedules and keeping, you know, my living area as clean as it should be and things like that. Just every day-to-day life stuff, I have a hard time with uh, certain kinds of routines. And mm-hmm. I'm lucky that I have uh, family that I live near who sort of keep me on track. They call me to check in on me and see how I'm doing. And it's the kind of thing that people wouldn't really expect from me, meeting me on the street or talking with me, but it's the kind of thing where a lot of the, the effects of autism, I've become good at hiding from people, and I do it a large part because I was hiding it from people before I had the diagnosis. I was trying to put on a normal face. And after that, um, the hiding it from people sort of become part of, you know, I want to do it better than I'm doing it, so I'm working on it, but I'm not succeeding as well as I'd like to be. Hmm. Got it. And of you course, know, another large part of autism is sort of the episodic memory, the uh, 
being able to go back into your memories and reconnect and associate with them in an emotional sense. And that one, it doesn't affect day-to-day life as much, but when it does, it can create a lot of confusion because I have a hard time relating to how someone can have a strong emotional attachment to something that's happened where I don't. And a lot of times that's the, it's one of those things where I don't seem, quote, autistic until certain like strong emotional stimulus has happened to a group of people I'm around. And then I'm the one who's reacting differently and I try to solve it differently and it creates conflict. And so it's one of those things that there's not a problem, there's not a problem, it blows up. And there's not really a lot of middle ground between it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think that's, that's, that's not, I don't know. I don't think that's what I would have expected being, um, the, the, one of those bigger issues, but hearing you describe it, it makes perfect sense that, that, that empathy in this third thing can be something that really stands in the way of relationships. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, once you've got the basic tools, you can go day to day. But a lot of times, you know, when things go wrong, that makes it so much worse because it catches mm-hmm. everyone by more surprise than it had before. When you're always the sort of odd yeah. guy, then people are looking at your oddness and trying to figure it out. But when you seem normal enough, you know, when mm-hmm. you've got basic skills down well and everything, then when something does go wrong, people have a stronger expectation for you to be able to resolve it in the same way mm-hmm. they could resolve it. And that can create a sort of dissonance because people who conceptually know you have autism haven't been developing that understanding of your form of autism because you've been hiding it well. So that's why one mm-hmm. of the important things to me is this idea with understanding autism of talking about sort of the generalities and talking about how we can approach our interactions, not just with autistic people, but with everyone, with an air of curiosity, of removing as much expectation as we can, and a much, uh, I talk about cultural assumptions, because one of the big things with autism is that culture is passed on, you know, by body language, by our word choice, by what we think is important and what isn't, and these are a lot of the things that people on the autism spectrum don't pick up well. So what you end up with is a child growing up with a culture that's different from the culture he was surrounded by. Now, how odd, there is no specific autistic culture. I'm just saying it's different. But one of the sure. greatest tools we have is that we have tools already for dealing with new cultures. When you, speak, when you meet someone with an accent and you're not familiar with the accent, your mind switches modes to one where you're questioning. You're thinking, oh, I wonder if he has different values on personal space. I wonder if he has different values on time. I wonder if he has different values on this or that. You go into a curious mode rather than a mode that has expectations. And this tool for approaching people with different cultures is one that we would do well to use on everyone we meet because mm-hmm. the truth is you don't know how someone is raised. Even if they speak in the exact same accent as you, maybe you come from a very conservative household and they come from a very liberal household, or maybe you know, your religions are completely different. Whatever it is, there are going to be things that surprise you. And if you approach it with curiosity rather than expectation, it removes a lot of the, uh, the abrasiveness when things go wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things I really think is important to highlight in what you said, and I think it really goes to this idea of understanding autism, is the way you described how you have to cope with certain things. Where if mm-hmm. something doesn't quite go right, how you need to take that step away. And it, it reminds me of this uh, of a young man I worked with uh, a long time ago who he had a, a number of self-stimulatory behaviors, very classic, like uh, hand flapping and toe walking and a couple of uh, vocal types of stereotypy. And 
he could go the entire school day. He was a teenager. He could go the entire school day without exhibiting a single one of those behaviors. But he literally needed to go home, lock his bedroom door, and for an hour, he would just get it all out of his system. And that way you described it building up, um, really, that really reminded me of him. And I think that's one of those understanding pieces that gets left out. It's, like, it's not something that just... Not everything is just going to automatically go away. Not everything is going to just disappear. And certain things being controlled and letting a person figure out how they're going to self-regulate and control themselves seems like it's a really big part of understanding um, and, yeah, and also and the teaching. The idea that if you, can just, if you can survive one situation without showing any symptoms, as it were, if you go through you know, a 30-minute meeting with someone and don't have any problems, that doesn't mean that you didn't have any problems. It just means that you didn't show any and that maybe you will have to yeah. recover from it later. Exactly. And then like, it's important to understand that as a friend, support, loved one. Like, it, it, I know that, that young man, I, I had never seen anything like that before, but it shaped my understanding of I need to respond differently. You know, great, we just had a, thir- a great 30 minutes, but I, I, I could see all these other things going on. Like you said – you want space. And I know that's something I've kind of had to learn through some of these experiences. And I feel like it's something that you don't kind of get early on when you're a parent, just starting off hearing about the diagnosis. This is something that kind of an awareness and understanding that comes later on um, with time. I I agree completely there. It's just, it's one of those things that understanding that, uh, you know, things don't always happen in the same order and you may not be able to see the Mm -hmm. connections between things. But there's a person in there yeah. thinking different things and handling his day-to-day life in the best way that he can. And that, that locking yourself in a room for an hour and, and doing your self-stimulus, maybe that's necessary for you to be able to do it. And, you know, maybe you should think about as a good thing, that you found a way to get through a regular day in the way that does the best. Yeah. Maybe some people sit down at the end of the day and have a beer and watch TV. And maybe yep. other people, you know, to walk and I'm flat for an hour. Yeah, I mean, and this, and this young man was doing incredible in high school. He was in general education. He was getting good grades. You know, he was doing all the things that were critical, but that's exactly how I equated to it. When I was in high school, I would come home, I'd watch TV on the couch for an hour, and I probably didn't move that entire hour. This was him lying on the couch for an hour. So, well, you know, I want to take, uh, I want to take our final commercial break. Um, But uh, when we come back, we'll have our final segment with Paul. Be right back everybody helping you make informed decisions for your life this is voice america health and wellness autism spectrum therapies is proud to present autism spectrum radio at ast we see a world where people with autism dream and achieve their full potential our promise is to support families through our extensive resources highly trained staff and outstanding programs call us today and let us know how we can best support your family at 866-278-1520 to find out more about ast visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Autism Spectrum Therapies, supporting extraordinary individuals and their families. Visit AutismTherapies.com or call 866-278-1520. 
These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio. If you have a question or comment for our host, Rob, or the guest, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Hey, welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio, everybody. We're here uh, with Paul Loudon, and we're, we're, we're doing our final segment, final round of questions. Um, you know, Paul, I wanted to go back a little bit to the, the reaction. Um, I know we started to talk a little bit about the reactions of people, and um, that was something I was really curious about. I was, I was, in particular, I was kind of curious about this idea of you know, your goal is to increase awareness and understanding. And, you know, one of the things that I feel like I've overheard um, is people having a misunderstanding as to what Asperger's is. Um, They think, you know, they hear things about Sandy Hook and they come into these crazy conclusions and jump to all these different areas. Um, And I feel like I've also overheard... um, people kind of question someone like yourself who's clearly incredibly high functioning and articulate, you know, is this person really, do they really have a diagnosis or, or is this a crutch? Is this an excuse? And I'm curious if you've ever come across any of that type of re- reaction and, and what kind of things you say um, to, to educate them. I've come across both of those. And you know, for people who are afraid of violence or whatever, it can be really hard to talk about it well because, um, you know, they don't have the degree of experience. They haven't met anyone else with autism. Me, I'm not in the picture they have in their mind. But, you know, there is the fact that statistics are very much on our side. They show that violence in the general population is much higher than it is in the autistic population. That if you meet yep. someone with autism, they are less likely to act towards you in a violent way than any normal person you meet on the street. So autism is an indicator of less violence rather than more violence. These things with Sandy Hook or whatever, you know, it's possible that he had Asperger's, but people also do horrible things every day. And the only time you hear about any sort of diagnosis mentioned is if there is one. They don't say, this person had no diagnosis, be aware of every normal person you meet on the street every time someone like that does something terrible. So, so it's one of those things that yeah. we're used to thinking that every time we hear about a diagnosis, it's depression, it's anxiety, it's Asperger's, it's whatever, but that's just because that's the only time they talk about it. So, so it's one of those sort of false statistics where it can mislead us. But the yeah. truth is, people with Asperger's, people with autism, are far less likely to be violent than people in the general population. Yeah. Yeah, As absolutely. The, the crutch thing, I've run into that a lot. And it's really hard to have a discussion with someone who doesn't have a firm understanding of autism 
because like you said, uh, to you, I appear pretty normal. A lot of times when I meet people on the autism spectrum, other, other people who are diagnosed with Asperger's at conferences or whatever, they identify me as being with Asperger's before I've told them that we have a short conversation and something about me gives it away because it is something that really influences your entire being that, you know, it changes every bit of information that comes into you because your brain is working in a different way. And so, you know, it's, it's a real thing. And for those who think it's a crush, crutch, I try to talk, I, I really focus on these physical aspects of it, that those people who've been diagnosed with autism, who've had fMRI scans or, or other uh, in-depth testing, it's been shown that their brain is working differently, that different parts of the brain are showing drastically different activity to what's expected in uh, a person who's diagnosed neurotypical. Uh, that Temple Grandin wrote a book and she shared her brain scans with the world, that while we don't know what causes autism, we do know that it is far more than just a simple personality difference. It's more than just being lazy, that it creates these very real problems. And sure, some people with it might use it as a question, some people might not. Uh, you know, that those are personality differences. But the fact of the matter is that anyone with a diagnosis, anyone who's gone to a real clinician and got a real diagnosis, has that diagnosis because they had very real challenges in their life. And they found that they could not overcome these challenges, and they sought help. And, you know, mm -hmm. if, if they're serious about it, then they're hopefully still getting help. And I think that anyone who's trying to get help, you shouldn't question their honesty. As long as, you know, if they give up and they say, I've got Asperger's, I'm not doing everything, anything ever again, yeah, well, you know, I might have my doubts there as well. But if they're really out there looking for help and trying to... Uh, understand the people around them, then you should take people on good faith. That's the only thing we can do is take people on good faith, and we really should in every opportunity we get the chance to. Yeah. Um, I know, you know, one thing I, I want to make sure to just touch upon, because I know it's something you're really, uh, you're proud of and, and you've been really involved with lately, is um, the uh, Google Glass Explorer program. And I was kind of curious what what were the objectives, and specifically, how are, how are they looking to help individuals on the spectrum? Well, Google Glass as an object is, uh, is intended to be a consumer object. Mm -hmm. but what they did is they asked people to apply as opportunities to buy early prototypes of it and seek out new uses for it. And my application was that I would look for ways that it might be able to help someone on the autism spectrum and that it might be able oh, to cool. help therapists and everything. And what Google Glass is, is it's basically a wearable computer with a microphone and a camera that can connect to the internet or talk with your cell phone to receive messages and stuff. And what I saw in it was that it also provides the opportunity to sort of help with these areas that people on the autism spectrum are often weak in. For example, um, just the, the, the self-regulation, the, uh, the, the self-management, that we often, like, I might be driving to the grocery store, and I drive by the bank, and that thought that, uh, oh, you might want to stop by the bank, you have business at the bank, doesn't even occur, because a lot of times, I'm like a lot of people on the autism spectrum, where I tend to be hyper-focused. If I'm in the middle of doing one thing, that one thing is what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. But Google Glass is a GPS, and it's got a screen that is visible to your eye at all times. So mm -hmm. it can be proactive. It can say, oh, hey, you noted that you have this check to deposit, and I've noticed you're near the bank. Do you want to do that? So it can snap you out of that focus and give you a wow. reminder. So it has this opportunity to be proactive and take up sort of that, that position of that voice in your head that's not always there that, that keeps you hyper-focused and remind you of other responsibilities or other actions. 
Another thing people on the autism spectrum have difficulty with a lot of the times is sort of the emotional awareness of others, where, you know, you know what to do if someone's angry or if someone's happy or whatever, but being spotting those transitions, spotting when something you've said transitions someone into another affect can be difficult. But Google Glass is a camera, and there's been some really good research lately on being able to use just basic cameras to spot when someone's pulse rate elevates or decreases. And that would allow uh, Glass wow. to give you the opportunity to just say, something has changed here. It wouldn't tell you what to do, but it would tell you, hmm. take a step back mentally and rethink what's going on. So it provides you just a lot of it's going to depend on clever programmers, obviously, to write these programs. But it provides you the opportunity to have a virtual voice in your ear, as it were, that can make you aware of things that you may have overlooked and help you not only improve that situation, but improve your ability to spot and reinforce these traits in yourself so that you can better manage day-to-day life. I love it. It's, it really seems like it's kind of like the next step of technology from you know, iPads and Bluetooth to now Google Glass. You, you can really go in a few different directions. I think it's a very exciting of, um, technology. I'm looking forward to see what comes from it. Yeah. Um, you know, we've only got probably three minutes left here. Um, and I wanted to make sure, you know, I asked you one final question. So I, I'm sure this is a long answer, but in, in like a minute or so, is there, you know, do you have any advice for maybe a, a teenager who's in a situation similar to yourself? Uh, maybe they're um, si- experiencing some of the things you experience, or maybe they already have a diagnosis and they're kind of moving forward. Um, but do you have any advice for someone a little bit younger who's kind of on a, a path similar to what you were on or, or what you now are on? All I can say is stay hopeful that the world has changed dramatically since I went through what I did, that we have more understanding now and we're getting more understanding every day. And we are becoming better at educating people about it. Um, when I left high school, there was not much out there. Now there are companies actively hiring people with high-functioning autism for certain types of jobs that they tend to be able to do better or hold better than other people. That, uh, you know, high-functioning autism is scary, but it's not the end of a life by a long shot. That it just means that you have yeah. differences and, uh, you know, some of them can be turned into strengths. So look forward. And I think things are going to be going better and better as time goes on. Awesome. Thank you so much, Paul. I mean, I really appreciate you being here. Um, I know uh, for our listeners out there who want to learn more about what you're doing, um, I think the, the website um, or your website is www.understanding-autism.info. And uh, um, you guys also have a Facebook page um, through uh, Understanding Autism Radio. Yeah. Um, and we'd love to hear from people. Questions beautiful. or discussion. We're looking to, you know, give people the opportunity to talk with each other about this topic too. So we have forums on our website for that. Cool. Great. Well, thank you again. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you. Um, you know, I got probably 45 seconds left. Nope, not even, as Kevin's telling me. Um, you know, I, all I can say to wrap this one up is uh, I just want to say thank you and I love you to my wife, Sarah, who um, had the instincts to uh, connect me with Paul because – uh, this show was very much everything I wanted and hoped it would be, where I really feel like I got to hear a really unique and a very profound perspective. And just even where we ended of what the future could be is 
actually got me excited, got, got a little bit of chills of, of where I could see technology taking us and enhancing our therapies and enhancing um, the, the quality of life for everyone we're working with, not just those who are on the high-functioning end of the spectrum, but even for those on, on the other, the lower-functioning side of the spectrum. So, um, so thank you all for tuning in. I, I, I know you guys got every bit as much out of this as I did. I uh, hope you have a fabulous week. Um, as always, more info at autismtherapies.com or post something on Facebook if you got questions, comments, uh, thoughts, anything you want to see in the show. We'd love to hear from you guys too. Take care, everyone. Have a great weekend. We hope you've had some questions about autism answered this week. Autism Spectrum Radio can be heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Please join us for another edition next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.